Welcome to another inspirational episode of Monetizing Your Creativity. Most of this current movie-going generation will recognize Patrick James Gallagher as Attila the Hun in the Night at the Museum franchise. It was an amazing job. It was, it was really, really fun. Yeah, I made the language up, so it was all improv. Monetizing Your Creativity asks the question, what does it take to earn a living with your creative talents? And I'm like, I don't know what the hell I'm supposed to do here. And I was scared out of my mind. I mean, I'm sitting there going, you want me to improv? This is Ben Stiller, this is Robin Williams. And I remember one day I just had an idea and I just said, you got to just risk it. We focus on the success principles common to all disciplines by interviewing producers, directors, writers, actors, cinematographers, music composers, animators, designers, and much, much more. Learn how to create your own path to success. Let's roll. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Monetizing Your Creativity. I'm your host, Marvin Polis, and joining me as always is your other host, Fred Keating. I hear leaves blowing in the breeze. Fred, tell our listeners where we are. Well, th this is the famous uh, Whispering Palms corner of the cool side of the pool side at the Chateau Marmont. That big castle sits above Sunset Boulevard, which uh, our folks may hear in the distance, those that rubber surf, you know, as those tires. And we love to hang out here in Hollywood. Yeah, we do. And interview people. Yes, we do. Tell yeah. us who our guest is. Well, our guest, who has started talking long before we put the mic on, we had to tell him to be quiet so we can get to these stories for everybody, is Patrick James Gallagher. Gallagher in the old country. That's only one of the old countries. The gentleman is half Chinese. And I have to tell you the first time, I'll tell you how I first met Patrick. I have my own version of the story. He probably has his. But at any rate, uh, our listeners may know him as uh, I first saw him on the big screen playing the bartender in Sideways opposite Paul Giamatti and then worked on a series with him up in, in Canada, Da Vinci's Inquest. He's an all-around good guy and a very successful actor with a ton of tools in his tool kit. Patrick, thanks very much for being with us today. Uh, you're welcome. Thank you. I only have one tool, but it's it's like a multi-headed screwdriver. That's how I like to say it. Is that right? I'm, t I'm too lazy to carry a lot of tools around. It's well, they just take them away from you at the airport anyway know, these days. That's true. One man's lazy, another man's efficient. So <laughs> It's the only nationality he isn't Swiss, as in army knife. Thank you for taking the time to be with us. And most of this current uh, movie-going generation will recognize uh, Patrick James Gallagher as Attila the Hun in the Night at the Museum franchise. It was an amazing job. It was, it was really, really fun. Yeah, I made the language up, so it was all improv. I, re I read that. Yeah, and the one great thing is that I tested this on YouTube. I'm the only actor whose performance is pure throughout the world because there's no dubbing because it's a, it's a gibberish language. So I, would, I watched a Spanish version. You hear someone dubbing in Spanish to everybody, and then I come on, it was me because there's nothing for them to dub. It's subtitled as foreign language, which is really weird because other stuff would be subtitled as gibberish, which was, so it's subtitles of foreign language. Can you give us a little sample of the gibberish language that you made up for well, those I used films? to swear in it, but I'm not going to now. What would you like would, me to how say? Would, how would we know Well, that? that's what I'm saying. When I first did it, the, the DOP, um, oh God, why can't I remember his name? Guillermo. His DOP won an Oscar for uh, Pan's Labyrinth, I believe. Uh, he asked me, what do you say? I said, making it up. Well, you know what's funny about that? When I first got it, 
it should be Genghis Khan, first of all. I actually told Sean that. Everyone calls me Genghis Khan. Even he calls me Genghis Khan. Uh, they want they want Attila the Hun Hun, I think, because it rhymed with you better run, dum dum. Here comes Attila the Hun Hun. That's what I think. But I did this research to find out whether or not. I sort of based him as being Mongolian. So when I first got the job, I wanted to find out whether or not Mongolian was more like words-based like Japanese or tone-based like Chinese. And it was more word-based like Japanese. That's so cute because I would actually go get Mongolian words when I first started because I had no idea what I was supposed to do. I shot two night days in New York City and I had this line in the scene that was cut out basically trying to get someone out of the apartment and the line was, I'll burn her out. So I got the word for burn and shoot and fire. And then I came back three weeks later in Vancouver and I'm like, I don't know what the hell I'm supposed to do here. And I was scared out of my mind. I mean, I'm sitting there going, you want me to improv? This is Ben Stiller, this is Robin Williams. And I remember one day I just had an idea and I just said, you got to just risk it so there's another scene that was cut out and i said sean i just want to do something okay just shoot it the director sean levy he said just shoot it my way and then you can shoot it your way again and he was hiding from me so i came up and i went oh larry and it was one of those great moments where i could see it in sean's eyes where it's like okay we can work with him because most of that stuff in the first movie wasn't there they added that whole last yelling scene the magic scene um was not added that was a big moment too the big lines maggie and so so came into rehearsal and that's when I could see it in Ben's eyes. Okay, now we can work with this guy. And then they just gave me freedom. Sean had this thing called the Gallagher method, which was five bad ideas for one brilliant one. And it was great because I would just keep peppering ideas and peppering ideas and peppering ideas. And he gave a set where you could do that. And he'd go, yeah, you'd have five bad ideas and come up with one gem. That's not a bad ratio, pal. Yeah. And it was great because I'd be like, how about this? No, how about this? No, how about this? No, how about this? No, that's great. And that was such a fun environment to where you know what it's like as an actor to work in an environment where you just can bring your stuff forward and say, how's this work? And not feel afraid to have a stupid idea. I had a lot of stupid ideas. Not, I mean, I disagreed with the stupidity of some of those ideas. I thought some of them were brilliant, <laughs> you know, but Sean didn't like them. And it was a great, it was a great learning experience. Ben Stiller was there, who's a master at this, Robin Williams. I just got really, really fortunate. And you're in every damn shot with him on the posters as, as well as uh, I saw that shot of you on online standing in front of a poster of you yes. on the yeah. on the bus stop yeah. here in LA. I got to tell you I don't know why I didn't have a cell phone at the time I think because it was I couldn't believe we did the first one in 2007. It was a while ago bud. And I didn't have a great cell phone but there was one shot and it didn't take of a night museum billboard on one side of Sunset Boulevard and a Glee billboard exactly across the street from it and I was like that's really freaking cool <laughs> now you're you're from Canada originally originally from New West I was born in New Westminster I grew up in Chilliwack but I've been gone 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 I've been gone so long I've been gone 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 so long I, th I think the Canadians will understand that yeah. one but yeah, maybe you mean the band Chilliwack and it's yeah it's right. their big song was exactly. she's been gone 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 she's been gone so long she's been gone, gone never mind how long down here God, almost a decade, I just realized while I was thinking about this. I came down. Well, you know what's funny? I'd, I'd like to think I do, but I, I have to hear it first. I was going to come down in 2005, and literally three weeks, three weeks before I left, I got the call from Chris to go do three episodes of Intelligence. Chris Haddock. This is Chris Haddock. Yeah, and so then I stayed to do that, and then I got night at the museum. So I, had, I started paying for an apartment down here in 2005, but didn't get down here until June of 2006. Because that, that, that's, that's how, it's just like, okay, yeah, I'm ready to go in a week. My agents called me, said, Chris wants you to do three episodes of Intelligence. I'm like, okay. And that took me to sometime in September. And I was ready to go again. Then I got an, I came back, got the audition for the museum. And then I got it. And I was up there from January till May. That's what they say. You want a job? Book a ticket somewhere. And uh, the agent calls and says, boom, hey, 
you got to go and it's just uh, when you were going to go away. And the greatest thing is, seriously, I do this sometimes. If you if you audition for a job, book a flight. You have 24 hours to cancel it and book a flight for the time that you're going to shoot. And I can guarantee you'll get it. I do it all the time. Because as long as I cancel within 24 hours, I don't have to pay. So I'll just get a job and I'll say, okay, I'm just going to book a flight on this shoots June 7th to 12th. I'm going to book a flight in that time. It'll work. That's my best advice. Okay, I can go now. Oh, hey, 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 hey. We got you for at least 15 minutes. That's what you said. That's my best advice. All right, well. Book a fake plane ticket. Just make sure to set your alarm to cancel the next day. Otherwise, you're on the hook forever you flew to. Oh, there you go. Patrick, how did you get into all of this? Into acting? Yeah. Well, I'm from a half Chinese, half Irish family. I think I'm the only person on, my, on both sides of the family, three generations without a university degree. Everybody is educated. I think we had four PhDs, 10 master's degrees, and like 18 or 20 bachelor's degrees. And I just never, I'm, I'm pretty... Can't you pick that stuff up from a, by osmosis from hanging around family members like that's, that? That's what I told You just that. saved yourself 60 grand. Exactly. My grandmother still tells me to go to, get, you know, become a scholar. I don't like doing a lot of work. And I like this because it never feels like a job. And I always liked it. And honestly, I dropped out of poli-sci and sociology and then my dad got really upset at me. So I literally just said, you know what? I'll audition for a theater program at Douglas College just to get people off my and say I'm in school. Got in there in 1988 for two years. And then on a whim, auditioned for National Theater School. And, you'll, and this, this is how things are different. I remember the first show we had at Douglas College. We had this big staircase. I don't know if you've ever been there. I have. I've taught there. I remember standing at the bottom. I was so afraid. I literally stood there for a second. I thought, I'll just not show up. My whole life. And I was seriously thinking, I am so afraid. I'm just going to go home. I'll just drop this whole thing. And I didn't. I had to get pushed on stage. I was hyperventilating. And I'll never forget this. I went on stage. I was like, I don't want my lines, I my lines. The guy said his line. I said mine. People laughed. I remember my next one. I remember literally going, wow. And then from, I don't really get nervous anymore unless I know I'm unprepared. But that was a big moment for me. And then I auditioned for National Theater School. And the only reason I didn't, not show up to that is because I had two other friends auditioning and I couldn't lie about having auditioned when I really didn't. And uh, that was one of those, my whole thing just hinges on the fact that I couldn't lie my way out of something, basically pretend I did it. But I seriously did, I was so afraid I didn't want to go. And the only reason I couldn't is that they'd know that I didn't audition. They were there at the same time and I just happened to get into that. And that was also fate too because in Canada, what they do is they start east to west, at least when I did it. So they'll start in Montreal or wherever, and they'll come west. And the callbacks are a play in three minutes. But if you're in Montreal, it's two weeks later. These are the auditions. Yes. But the thing is, because it's in Vancouver, there's no two weeks later. It's the next day. And I going, I can't do a play. I don't even know what you're talking about, play in three minutes. I had read one play in theater history class at Douglas College. Only one. And it was every man. And I was like struggling and literally at about 12 o'clock midnight, I realized I'm just going to do every man. So I stood on a chair as God and went, every man, you got to do this. And then jumped down and went, what do you mean, God? And I played discretion. It's like, oh, I'm afraid. And I just, it was so stupid. And I got in. So a lot of, I, I believe in fate, not in destiny. And there's a difference that I can choose to turn right. And if I make that right turn, something will happen, but it's not determined that I will make that right turn. But I think once you make certain decisions, certain things will happen, which is the difference to, in my mind between fate and destiny. Fair ball. But you have to make the first step, right? You have a certain, I don't like the idea that there's no choice in my life. I also like the idea that there is no choice in my life. That's why I like destiny. I kind of like the fact that it's not all on me. Again, it comes down to my laziness. I do like to think that in some way, some things are inevitable, whether they're good or bad. But you do have to have a certain amount of choice in your life to get those things to happen. 
So I, I don't want just all choice or all fate or all predetermined. I want a combination of both. So are you the kind of guy then that, and we should really let Marvin in on this dialogue pretty soon, yes. but... <laughs> You are, you're being so patient I'm here. happy holding the microphone, Fred. Especially since you're the other host. <laughs> well, yeah, you always introduce... You a better me. moniker than that. I, I try to put him in his place, but he won't stay there. It's kind of like, I want my shirt. No, not that shirt, the other shirt. you got to get something better than other. You know, I've learned to live with it. I'm, I'm, I want to jump in sometime and say, yes, here I are, the other host, but I'm supposed to introduce the guest. Who's your, who's your agent? Jamie Levitt is my agent. Tell her you want an and or a with. You want the and. You know what he gave me? It's Fred and Marv, so I got top billing. Well, I got lateral billing and friends, so you're on the title too. So there you go. I never understood that with or and thing. When I first saw it, I thought it was an afterthought. With seemed like lesser, but apparently to get a with or an and is great. But I always thought it was, oh, and him. Oh, and him. I, could, I, that's, I didn't understand that. It comes later in the conversation. So were you in it? Yeah. Who else was in it? Oh, and him. He was. So it's West Wing with all these people and Martin Sheen. But it took me a while to realize that that's what we're all supposed to try to get. Got it. So do you have anything to say about this, Marvin? <laughs> Look, guys, I'm just holding the microphone. You know, he wanted to play ping pong. Well, we're doing it, but uh, without the, uh, the that nasty ball You're bouncing. You're to reel me in because I'll just keep talking. Well, hey, I'm I'm one of the actors who will admit I like the sound of my own voice, and I think I'm very clever. How many actors actually admit that? They'll all lie about it. We love the sound of our own voices, and we think we're damn clever. I do have a question for you. What gave you the audacity to think that you could become an actor and maybe even a comedian when you're so darn introverted? <laughs> you know what's funny? I actually... <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yes, it is. It is funny. You know what? It's all, it's all I could do. I, ironically, you say that, but it also I fight my insecurity all the time. It's so funny you said audacity. I, have, I, I, had, I feel like I had no audacity to do this. I feel like the biggest mistake I made was to not have enough confidence in what I was able to do. I heard Barbara Deutsch was a big... She's a career coach. She made a, was a big part of my career. But... One thing she sort of said was, we all, you need to believe you deserve it. You're not entitled to it, but we all deserve to be there. My first thought when I would first get jobs was, get a call from the agent, you got the job, it'd be great, followed by, shoot, I'm going to get fired. You know, and I had to get rid of that gut. Even when I was doing Da Vinci's, there was that gut feeling going, you can't do it. And you have to just have the confidence. I love the win. I love the win. But it, it opens up a whole new level of anxiety after you've got the job. It's, oh, my God, now what did I do that actually helped me? And, and day one, always, the jitters. They'll, they'll discover I'm a fraud. I can't really do it. And one of the most gratifying things to me was to find out that big stars, we all have, we all have insecurity about it. Now, there's certain types of insecurity. I mean, you can't really doubt yourself. But you can, if you're not a little bit nervous about whether or not you can do justice to this part, I don't think you're really in the right place. But, you know, the interesting back-against-the-wall thing that you mentioned a few minutes ago is that, and I wish I had a nickel, for every actor who, who said to me, why am I not a pharmacist, a lawyer, or that it's all I can do. But I also hear other people say, I'd, I'd rather be a lousy actor than a really successful attorney because I love it when it happens. Yeah, I mean, I'd rather work 18 hours on a set than four hours do anything else. I mean, I can't do anything else. See, the only thing I'd want to maybe do, I used to want to be a reporter. I used to obsessively watch news. But I used to walk around going, this is Patrick Gallagher, CBC News, Lebanon, and I wanted to do that until I realized how much work it took. 
And so I didn't do it. The only other thing I'd want to do is lifting that microphone or well, just like, you know, you got to actually go talk to people and write your own stuff. And well, I'm glad I didn't do it now, too, because I would be incredibly disillusioned. When I was 12 years old, news was still news. My ultimate dream, honestly, is to film my own sort of dolphin movie that I shoot and then I edit and then I produce and then I do the voiceovers and I play at IMAX. Well, you're telling me you work 40 40 days a year and you got another 320 to yourself. Yeah, but, I'm, but I'm but I'm very efficient, Fred. I'll, I'll get you the dolphin. I, I want to see this film. I want to know if you can invent a dolphin language. Yeah. I Well, yeah, I have a bit of a... I guess, I'm sure it's somewhere on a MacBook. A night at the aquarium, for goodness sakes. night at the aquarium, yeah. There must be something on a MacBook. Your own franchise. So I'm rambling. Let's. We should probably. I'll, I, we should. I think Marvin's the one who's going to read. Who's probably got control. He's of the this. knitter together of. Uh, oh sure, I'm. Different. I'm the serious one. <laughs> In this group, I are think you, so. But are you? Are you an actor? No, no. I tried that. Failed miserably. Well, so you you've been around. You know the two actors getting together. We'll just talk. So you've got to come in and pull us back. We'll just chat all day long. It's true, Marvin. And we're willing. The two of us are willing to admit we like the sound of our own voice and the sound of other actors' voices. Most people won't. Don't try to think they're just interesting. But look, man, I'm a producer, and I and I just give up on the two of you. There's just can we end this now? Those, those, those are the kind of producers we like. Will you come back and and allow us to pick up this conversation at another time because. Uh, the sun has set, and so have I. Don't say anything. Don't say anything. Just nod. Nod yes. He's nodding. He's nodding? That, that's as good as a promise here in Hollywood. Okay. Yeah. Good. We'll see you next time, Patrick. Don't say anything. Thanks for tuning in to Monetizing Your Creativity. Be sure to join us next time by subscribing to us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, please leave a review. It helps us with our ratings. You can also visit monetizingyourcreativity.com for more information about the show. And hey, be sure to tell your friends who want to understand how to monetize their creativity.